We're excited to share this podcast in partnership with the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists as part of the new video and audio streaming platform, the CRNA Knowledge Network. For currently active members of the ANA, you can earn free Class A continuing education credits with this podcast through January 31, 2020. Yes, you heard it right. It is free. Visit aanackn.com and log in with your AANA user ID and password to access the audio sessions. Sharon and I here at Beyond the Mask, we're happy to be part of this initiative and we hope you enjoy the show. Beyond the Mask is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Schedule a free consultation today at crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, the past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. All right, Sharon, here we are again at ANA Annual Congress in Chicago. Uh, the Windy City. The Windy City, yes. And we have another special guest with us. We're doing several of these podcasts, and we have Mr. Joe Rodriguez in the house. Hey there. All right. And we've had Joe on before, and he always does a wonderful job. We're glad to have him back. He does so much to help out the profession and and even sometimes cause a little uproar in the profession. Well, you know what they say, that the stew gets nasty if you don't give it a That's stir That's exactly right. You know what? And yeah. we need people like that. That's right. Absolutely. you got to break it to fix it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, and, I'll remember that. I'll kick you in just a little yeah. bit. For your, <laughs> For your benefit. For your benefit. Well, you do have to break it to fix it. I mean, there's nothing. There's something literal about that, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and Joe's the managing partner for Anesthesia Partners and Management. And he's a former AZANA president. I mean, you've got so many things going on, Joe. I mean, just, just been busy. You've been busy. So it's been good. And his topic today is getting involved. Sounds exactly like you and you as I look across right. the table. And you're getting me more involved all the time as we just had that discussion. So Joe, why is this topic so important? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been asked it a number of times of these. People ask me, why are you so involved? And I suppose the answer is, at a, at a very basic level, that it's not just in the interest of the group you're involved in. It's not just in the interest of the community. It's also in the interest of yourself. Absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of us operate at self-interest, and there's kind of this paradox between, well, I need, really need to look out for myself and what I've got going on in my own life, and kind of what I've been sharing with folks is the more they can open their perspective to realizing the more they're involved with their community 
the better off they are in their own individual life. And this is not a concept that comes naturally to people, but the more they realize that, the more you get involved. So I'm very involved and it's been great. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. So when you say community, you are talking about work community. I'm sure you're involved in your neighbor community, uh, neighborhood community. Somewhat, somewhat. You know, it's, it's funny. I can't imagine that you would not be. I'm aware. You know, it's interesting because we, we talk about apathetic. You know, people are like, well, people aren't engaged. People don't know what's going on. And in other organizations, things I contribute to, like, you know, the, the Sierra Club or my neighborhood group or whatever else, I'm just a donator. I just give them money. Uh, I don't vote. I don't get involved at all. I'm just like, nope, take my money, do the right thing. I trust you guys. Well, that's participating. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the level I participate in. And sometimes I say that. I'm like, yeah, we can't pick on people too much because they're leading in other areas of their life, their family, right. their church, et cetera. But yeah, that's the kind of the balance you strike. And it's worked out for me. This, so when I say community, I suppose that could mean different things to different people. But for us, I'm talking about our professional community. When you spend 50 hours a week somewhere... You want to make sure that's protected, doing well, and that's how you provide for your family. Right. So, that, yeah, that's the community I'm referring to. Well, let me ask you a question. I remember when you were a student, yes, that, That's when everyone <laughs> liked me because I didn't share my opinions. You know? I'm not too sure that you didn't share your yeah. opinions, but I remember the coffee challenge, the videos, the things that you did. Were you like that before you got in? You were always a mover, or were you mentored, or... Did you come? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is that is a good question. I think you know I spent my late teens and early twenties playing guitar and driving cars and motorcycles, so I was very distracted at that point. And I think it's I think it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of I think I'm predisposed to that a little bit, right? And my family is such that we have tough conversations at the dinner table, religion and politics, and get very comfortable with having intense discussions without being we disagreed without being disagreeable right right Mm. on the other hand though i think our community our association our profession is unique in that just you know the way we're you know we're nurses who do anesthesia so that's very confusing for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and because of the advocacy situations we have because we're kind of the constant underdog and maybe it's because i grew up outside of philadelphia rooting for the eagles i like underdogs Um, (laughs) but i think yeah so to answer i think i'm a little predisposed to it as many are and uh, in our association and then i think also we have a great story in the sense of the value that we bring to communities across the country it's a story worth telling and it really makes a difference in local economies it makes a difference there and i think it's important that we we do everything we can to help our communities in a broader sense our right and you you've set me straight on this before because you know i always talk about and not that crnas across the group or an apathetic group but getting involved it again it's a very small Minority that kind of assumes a right. lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. But you said something to me, and you said it a minute ago, and I, I didn't want to just breeze over it, but you said if someone is paying their dues, they're involved. Exactly. Now, I look at Joe, I and, I, and I look at you, and, and I'm glad, that, but I, I had never thought about it that way, so that was a light bulb moment for me. But, you know, Joe, you are so involved, I mean, and engaged. I mean, do you think everybody should be engaged at that level? Or, or where's the happy medium for most people? Right. Yeah, that's a, a good question. So what I like to say is everyone can do something. Not everyone can do everything. everything. Mm. So and Because people, you know, they, you know, we hear state leaders because they have so much on their plate. It's a heavy burden. And uh, they, they say, I'd really love more help. And, when, and it's good. They need more help. But just like you said, Sharon, look, if I have 500 members in a state, 
we need about 50 people to really make a difference, to really make things better. And then usually it's a small core group that really pushes something forward. And it's usually a very, very cohesive team. Uh, with that being said, for those other 450 members, all I ask is that they be members, give a little bit to the PACs, our foundation, and that's it. Go about and live your life. We will do the heavy lifting. But I do say everyone can do something. So this idea that, well, we'll just let those other people work, that's not right. Everyone can do something. You know, we don't expect everyone to be making the same level of sacrifice. Right. Well, you've been a leader in your state, and you have made lots of sacrifices, as we all know, anybody who serves in those leadership Mm. positions. But again, if people pay their dues, they might not be showing up, but they're making sure that the rest of us can show up. Indeed. So... I'm a big advocate of them just being a member. That's right. Well, we were, we and that's were, who we're fighting for. Absolutely. Right? It's the so they can have opportunity. We had the CEO of the nurse practitioners in here earlier today, and there's 277,000 or so nurse practitioners, but only 99,000 hmm. are members of their association. Sure. Um, and I think just by the sheer numbers, what are the numbers for the ANA, Sharon? Do you remember right off? Because that's how really many, high. How many? CRNAs how many CRNAs are? total compared to ANA members? Oh, well, man. we are we're dropping down, and we have been since about the year 2007. We used to boast 95 percent of all CRNAs belong to their professional organization, and we've been trending down about half a percent a year. Now we're about 86 percent, give okay. or take. So it is trending down. But but again, we've been. This is a societal issue. Correct. It's not just an AANA issue, right. because millennials don't necessarily see the value of membership. And I, I do know our organization is putting face forward to make it a member added benefit. I mean, that's what this podcast is yeah. doing because sure. they'll be able to get free continuing education from Yay. this podcast. Everybody needs um, continuing ed. Absolutely. Well, and then, you know, I go back to, again, what, what I always talk about is, you know, CRNAs really need to break it down to their level. Mm. You know, this mm-hmm. advocacy that you're doing, you're doing it for a reason, right? Yeah. Joe? I mean, ultimately, if someone comes in and says, hey, Joe, you know, um, we're going to take over your practice and you're mm. going to work under us. Um, right. And you're going to be my employee. And oh, by the way, you're making 187,000 now, and you're not taking any call. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take your pay down to 110. Yep. And you're going to be on call three times a month. And you know, I'm a firm believer that we've got to be able to break that down for CRNAs mm-hmm. to get them involved. And it doesn't matter, you know, at what level. If we could just double the amount of CRNAs or, or even a 20% increase, how mm-hmm. much more could get done? Yeah. And there's so, plenty of work to do. Plenty of work to do. <laughs> that is for you know, sure. So, Joe, maybe me and you can work on that. Like, how do we get that out to yeah. the population? You know, I've, I've talked to Randy about it. I've yeah. talked to several people about it. I think we've got to somehow figure out to break that down. Because I know one of the things, how much is your career worth? Oh, well, the average CRNA career is somewhere between, depending on how much you work, Four to seven million dollars. Four to seven million dollars. So what would happen if, you know, the anesthesiologists won their battle? We did this whole what if right. with mm-hmm. Randy. Mm-hmm. And how would that affect that average CRNA? Now, to me, in my opinion, that's what the ASA has done for mm-hmm. their folks. And they've broken it down and put it on that level right. and gotten them fired up. 
Sure. So if we could just get another 10% or 15% fired up out there and show them that if this happened, this would affect you this way. Oh, yeah. My problem is these days is that like we just had another podcast that said, you know, all the students coming out are getting three or four job opportunities right now. Mm -hmm. It's good. Life is good for students and CRNAs right now. But it's not always good, and it hasn't no, always not. been no. good. And it will be it'll cycle. Be highs and lows. Yes, it'll cycle. I mean, but are they going to know how to deal with it when it does? Because these are the leaders of tomorrow, right? Right. Yeah. And that's uh, well. Do you guys remember the Michigan? Uh, I think it was sixty-eight. Mi sixty-eight. Yeah. Oh and, yes. and they made a great. You know, it was, for the listeners, basically, it was a, a group that had a contract change, and they all banded together and tried to fight this contract change. And I was watching that happen, and I remember thinking to myself, if they did a really good job for where they were at. But I remember thinking to myself, if you're engaged in your community, both in the hospital administration level, mm-hmm. the bylaw level, and whatever mm-hmm. level you can be, and you're engaged in an association that's telling you to be engaged in those areas, you're going to be much better prepared. So when those changes occur, you already have a, your resources to figure it out. If you're trying to figure out the solution to the problem when the change is occurring, you're already behind the eight ball. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think that I've got something getting people motivated it's about asking them Mm. i ask people all the time and when i ask i have never been told no yeah and people have to be asked especially women you know i'm doing my dmp and looking at running for office and especially women running for office and women have to be asked seven times Mm -hmm. seven times so i think a lot of it is just the mentoring and I assume you were mentored, and that's why. Yeah, I think by a kind of a community of people, a number of different people, yeah. Well, we'd like to think that we saw the talent in you and brought you on along. I think so. Um, Some of those people probably read it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not so, not so. uh, But I think they just have to be asked, and somebody has to say, hey, I'm going to the annual Congress. Have you ever been? Why Why don't you go? Yeah, I agree. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> How did that feel coming out of your mouth? It felt good. It felt good. I, I agree with people all the time, to a degree. Yeah, it's okay. Sharon, I don't know that I ever have had to ask a woman seven times anything. I think she said no by the third or fourth time. Mm-hmm. You were done? I just left. I gave oh, up. You know God, what I mean? Oh, God, what a wimp you are. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, why are you so passionate about all these regulatory issues? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, You're clearly sure. drawn to it. Yeah, well, I think the thing about regulation is this. So you can change one thing, whether it's a regulation or statute or bylaw. You can change one small word, right? And the ripple effects from that can impact people's entire careers. In Arizona, we changed one small part of statute, and it, it took us about two, a quarter million dollars in two years and tons of volunteer hours. Mm-hmm. And we changed those words, and all of a sudden afterwards, you got four CRNA-only practices that are growing in Phoenix, in a city in a previous decade was entirely MD-only. So it was a ton of work to change those very, very small words, but you can make a huge impact on people's lives, and when you make an impact on their practices, that trickles down to their, their families and what they can do for their kids and the opportunities and the local economic, excuse me, economic activity at the local level. So it's, it's important. Yeah, a little word like supervision. Yeah, right. It's a little bitty word. That's right. It's just, it's one word, but it can have a huge effect. And boy, it'll get the bile up in your throat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) So let's talk about if your opponent Mm -hmm. is 
better funded? I know we've dealt with this in North Carolina, but tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced whenever your opponent was obviously yeah, well-funded. Yes. You know, it's funny. In some ways, we should be thinking the ASA because I think while we're around, you know, 80, the mid-80s of membership, most trade organizations are 30, 40%. Right. So we're like, we're still almost triple them. So in some ways, we should be thanking the ASA for being such a worthy opposition because that's what makes us better. I'm serious. Uh, yeah, um, there is some wisdom in that, yeah, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you, ASA, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and they probably are. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> if they're smart. Uh, yep. But to answer your question specifically, I think when you're dealing with a, an opponent that's very worthy, like the ASA, we have to maximize our competitive advantages, right? So, I mean, I hate to be cliche, but teamwork is one of our biggest competitive advantages. Having high-functioning teams at the local mm-hmm. level that are determined to deliver results for their members, if you can get that kind of leadership in place, you will likely be better off than your much more well-funded opposition. And in Arizona, we were facing people that had literally 10 times our budget, right? And they had more lobbyists, and they had more of everything, it seemed like. But we had more, I mean, it was just like my football coach told me, you know, you lay it out all out in the field. You eat, sleep, and breathe it till you win. And that's what we did. And that's why we were able to pull that off. So, yeah, that's why I talk about that a lot. You know, just because you're fighting a well-funded opponent doesn't mean you can't win. Yeah. Passion. I think that's it. You know, Jenny Schmidt from Oklahoma, if she does not typify that. It's true. She's um, like permanently on fire. She's on fire all the time. I know. She's going to spontaneously combust one day (laughs) from all of that. But it's passion. Yep. And I think that can carry you a long way. It's true. Well, it's seeing it through. You know, you want to see it through and you're not going to stop until you get there. Mm -hmm. You burn the bridges behind you. I mean, you can't turn around. Yep. And then that's... That's what you have, and Sharon, that's what you have. Well, that's, we've yeah, been fighting good. the good fight for 14 years in North Carolina, and you talk about well-funded. Mm-hmm. The first time we defeated their action, they had put in about $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the national pack for the ASA had about $2 million in mm-hmm. it, and just $1.2 million was donated in North Carolina yep. alone, and we still, we still won. North Carolina has you very unique. Sometimes the eastern states get criticized for a lack of regulatory progress. People do not realize the medical societies on the east coast are generally higher functioning than those out west. And Mm. yes, so the the challenges are unique. Some battles are worth fighting even if they are unwinnable. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that North Carolina, Pennsylvania, New York, they're holding on, so to speak, and stopping ASA progress all the time. They're, They're basically, you know, they're like the front line. They're like, if they fall, everybody else does so there's a symbiotic relationship between the states so it's the job of arizona and other states that can make more progress their basic responsibility is to make progress because the basic responsibility of the more conservative states is to hold the line so rather than criticizing one another we got to see how we can benefit right, one but another. you bring up a very good point and i've said this for years if north carolina falls pennsylvania falls they're going to take that out like on the macy's oh, yeah. day parade I, I would hear about it the yeah. next day in yeah. phoenix mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so i like your analogy that was very good i like that and Joe, i mean you've, you've done a lot of stuff and you've obviously had your hand in a lot of successful Reforms. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about that a little bit? Things that you've done in Arizona and even on the national level to kind of have push sure. this agenda forward of yours. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I think uh, I know you guys have had Mike McKinnon on the show as well. And I think Mike and I get an undue amount of attention. 
because in Arizona, we were able to do some great things. You two are the best and, uh, looking. I'm not sure that's about why. that. I, I, well, that's, you know, that's I may have pulled that, that stance, but then I lost my hair, and now I'm, I've gone down. I was like a seven in San Diego, now I'm a two. Um, um, you still weight lift uh, for a hobby, for I God's do. sake. I I wait a minute. See those Sharon, guns. You stole my thunder. Uh, you know? uh, all right, we so. don't want you to be making that comment. We want me to be making yeah. that comment. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's see. So there was some of the progress there in Arizona. So basically, we changed the law that... I don't want to say it was omnibus in nature, but it was unique because we had this word direction, right? And direction kind of means supervision or it kind of doesn't. We were, all, we were debating about that forever. And we added this anti-liability language in it. So we essentially gutted the meaning of direction. So we have physician, quote, direction, but it's essentially meaningless now. Uh-huh. And that was the, the alternative that we came up with that really worked. Uh, but yeah, well, then we restored prescriptive authority. We restored DEAs. We loosened up presence. Again, this is, um, I had a big part in the legislative end, but a lot of this stuff has been going on for years. And right. what's key is that this was all identified in a big strategic planning meeting in 2012. We put it all up on a board. And we're not done. We've got a lot of it now. But there's been many, many people who've put hundreds of hours into that stuff. And right. anyway, so I just want to make sure. I do not get all the credit, so because well, I don't deserve it. That's all. great. No, so. you're you're kind of the mouthpiece. Yeah, for, for, I, I have a big know. mouth. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't mean it like that. But <laughs> no, you, but I, you know, I know you, you mean. you've got an articulate way to get your message out there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, um, which is special, and, it, and it's probably why you've been able to do a lot of this stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Sharon, you stole my thunder. I was going to ask him about his hobbies, you know, and how he's such uh, you know efficient with his time and getting stuff done. But how do you get all this in? I mean, all yeah. the stuff you do. I mean, I can barely keep up with what I do, and I'm definitely not as active in associations as you are. So. Sure, sure. I think, you know, like, I do have this running joke where I just say I'm a loser with no hobbies, which is, <laughs> I know we said that earlier, but it's kind of true. Well, you know, I, that's a, I was talking, I gave a business lecture, and I, one of the, key, we have this list that Allie, Randy, and I have, by the way, Allie Beguy and Randy Quinn are my two business partners, and they're amazing. Mm. I just had to put that in there. Shut um, up. Yeah. So uh, we have this list of characteristics that we've mm-hmm. developed for entrepreneurs or business people. And we say, if you have these characteristics, you should start a business. And one of them is a hunger for personal effectiveness and the desire to be effective, not just in your professional life, but also in your personal life and, and in other parts of your community. And for me, some of it's just stuff I learned as a Boy Scout. As, well, right. I was an Eagle Scout. Huh. And, you uh, were an Eagle. Yeah, on my honor. <clears throat> I will do wow. my best. I could do the whole thing and the Scout law, too. <laughs> um, yeah, started early. But I guess the way I do it, you know, I try to get, I mean, it's relatively straightforward. I try to get, you know, between six and eight hours of sleep at night. I wake up super early, get my workout done early on, and get right to work. Probably one of the biggest things is, it's again, who you surround yourself with. My wife is a counterbalance to all my exuberance and my... Um, <laughs> I so, like that exuberance. No, no, wait a minute here. I what, like what does that, that mean? That, that, so your wife is, is not exuberant? Is that what um, you're saying? Well, I wouldn't describe her as exuberant. Okay, right, I would well, say, I'm just trying yes. to clarify. Yeah, so. no, she, she, I would she, say she keeps to me in check. There, there you go. Because I have a, I I have knew a tendency that to get yeah. out of balance. Because yeah. I get so yeah, focused, focused yeah. that I will... Yeah, I'll, I'll burn the tires on the way down the track. You know what I mean? Because that's, <laughs> you know, getting there is the only thing that matters. And You're sprinting and she's the marathon. There yes, yeah. absolutely. So, got it. Absolutely. And that's actually true in, in real life, too. She was a athlete back in the day. But, oh, wow. Yeah, so who you surround yourself with, people who can criticize you, and you have to be open to the criticism right. as well. Randy and Allie have very different personalities and styles of management and styles of leadership. But because we've been able to develop a relationship where we're okay with criticizing one another, 
it becomes highly productive. Yeah. So who you surround yourself with, taking good care of yourself, being goal-oriented, it's a good thing. Now, I found it interesting. If you were not a CRNA, you would be a lawyer. Yes, I, yeah, I think so. I think, well, yeah, I, you know, I have this justice bug, number right. one. Like when something, when I sense something is wrong, moral, like morally wrong, and I can do something about it, if it's in, I will just, oh, I'll stop at nothing to right. make sure it gets right. Because that's your responsibility, right? Mm. And then, you know, I enjoy the law because of what we were talking about before. You look at the way our society is set up, it's set up that way because of the laws we have. And it's, democracy is so messy and so slow, uh, especially these days. But second uh, best is no better. Yeah, well, that's what Churchill said, <laughs> yep. right? Democracy I is the worst Churchill. form of government, love except for all the others. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, pro- that's probably what... I, I, I joke that I probably should have majored in political science or, or something like that, but... I guess I found the right field. Because I do like people, too, and I enjoy... I didn't get into anesthesia because I didn't enjoy nursing. I actually really loved ICU nursing. But, you know, it was just a change and wanted to grow and progress, and it was either become a hospital administrator or become a CRNA. So here I am. I wouldn't be surprised if you still didn't wind up in law school. Uh, Yeah, I thought about it, but, oh, man, it's uh, so time-consuming. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. You never know. (laughs) Maybe I'll get bored. Maybe you can cut your sleep back to, like, three hours a night. I wish I could. I wish. I actually hate going to sleep some nights because, like, my mind is tired, but I I should go to sleep and take care of myself. Well, Uh, you know, I went back to school at a seasoned age. You might do that, too. You never know. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all with yeah. you. <laughs> Maybe I'll be, yeah, Mark Silverman's out there. Maybe I'll be general yeah. counsel. <laughs> Tackle the go. next frontier. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Or, or the lobby. You could be a lobbyist. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know? Yeah, yeah. Lobbyists, man, they get that. such a bad rap. But uh, the lobbyists that we that I work with are they're just they're basically paid advocates. That's what right. they do. Yeah. You pay yeah. them. You pay them for their relationships. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're and they they're understand the system, communicating your issues, and they have the relationships, and they know the people, and et cetera, et cetera. They get a bit of a bad rap, which I wish we lived in a society where we could just have a high level, you know, classic form of debate, and uh, everything would be orderly, and people would raise their hands, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But you know, that's the ideal, and it doesn't always work out that way. Well, we are in the belly of the beast for yes. Tammany Hall. Right? Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Chicago? That's yeah. right. False right. tweed? You know, yep. it's funny, and we're in the land of Lincoln as well, and he made a reference to Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall hucksters, he called them yes. Lincoln, Steven Spielberg. Great movie. Huh. But, uh, I was born on Lincoln's birthday. Is that right? Well, there you go. Good association. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, what, what do you want to get across to our listeners about becoming involved, getting involved, staying involved? What advice would you give to, well, let's just take several different groups, okay? Sure. And we'll say maybe a new student, because mm-hmm. obviously I think that is one of the areas that we're losing them coming out of mm-hmm. school. Probably one of the reasons because they have debt and sure. they're worried about paying dues, and, and they really they don't see the value for some reason. So let's take that group. What would you say to them? And I know I'm giving you a, a several-part question here. But, sure. And then let's take kind of what we would call the mid-stage CRNA. You know, they've been working for 10 years, and, you know, they're living their life, and they're W-2, and everything is going good, and they really hadn't been involved at all along the way. And then, you know, your later-stage CRNA, you know, if you could just kind of, you know, and that's somebody who's probably five years away from retirement. How could each one of those different groups – get involved in your opinion or at least get started to be involved sure so i think you know painting a picture of what you're saying there you're 
you're describing those three stages, and what comes to mind for me is that you need all three for a diverse, strong community. Absolutely. Right? So for the new student, they're coming out, they're trying to get, you know, they're just very concerned about practical, getting a job, paying mm-hmm. off their debt, et cetera. Yeah. And what I would say is <laughs> all those things are important and you should manage them. They need to have kind of a, a two-purpose approach. And if, again, if you're not building, if you're not aware and engaged of your professional community, when the problems do arise, and they will happen, yes. there's you, you don't need to go real far to see some extraordinary things that have happened to CRNAs. And if you don't have the tools and resources to deal with them, if you're not making deposits into the community already, it's much harder to navigate those problems. And it gets very practical very quick as far as non-competes and contractual issues and labor disputes and non-solicitation clauses, et cetera. I could go on and on. For the, you know, the mid-career individual, what I would say is when you get enough experience under your belt, and you begin to be a little wise in the ways of the operating room and the politics and the people issues, et cetera, it behooves you to go back and give, again, give back to that community and begin to make structural changes that you know are going to benefit you in the last part of your career. Because you're just smart enough to know how to navigate things. You see the problems and you're experienced enough to know the answers as well. So it's essentially a responsibility. If you see that area where you can do good, go and do it. And then for the last part, Although I've, I've probably upset many of the last part re- recently with my suggested changes. Uh, <laughs> but um, Change is the only thing that uh, is constant. We all know that. And you know what? What's interesting is that for, I'm kind of in the mid group right now, right? So it's incumbent upon me, if I see an area where I can do good, to go and do it, right? And it's incumbent upon those who are older and more experienced to temper that and to say, yes, I, I see where you're going. But you need to modify in this and this and have you thought about this and to kind of lend that wisdom. Perspective, yeah. And that is what creates a stronger community and that's what makes us all better off. And again, if you're ignoring that, you do it at your own peril. Yeah. Well, you know, as Sandy always says, you know, some of the things, Sandy Ouellette, that are going on now are things that we've already been through that she's lived through and she understands probably better than Joe would sure. at his stage career. And I know that you guys have had some... Oh, so debates. And I, oh, we always. Yeah, agree. I, mean, not, and, I don't know what you but mean. But it's good. It's good debates. Um, <laughs> you know, so and that's true. Take Sandy, who's been around a long time in the industry and sure. been as active as she has, and has given. She can kind of see things that maybe you don't see. Sure, absolutely. So you're right. I think that, that's a good good balance point there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And that's what you need. Dan Simonson is another one that comes to mind. We haven't agreed on many of the latest hot topics, so to speak, but his opinion informs my view and it tempers it. It it, it makes it better. Absolutely. Well, Joe, we really appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having As me. As always, I'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll have Joe on again because he always has lots of good things to talk about. We'll and come up with some other controversial issue. To- <laughs> yes, and we'll have yeah. more discussions. Yes, there's, there's good work Dorsch- to be done. Carol Dorsher's just going to hate. She's not in here with us. Yeah. Y'all had a good face Yeah, that was a good Yeah, that was we great. That. See, productive debate. That's what makes yes. society better. Good. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. And we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and you're a fan, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us, leave us a review, especially if it's positive. Um, it <laughs> and helps. if it's not, if don't. It's not, don't leave us anything. Uh, it, it helps us find new listeners. And, and please share our episodes on social media so we can get the word out. It's a wrap.
Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. 